Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist and mind body coach Trudy Stone. And I am so glad that you tuned in today so that you can learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. Speaking of which, today we're talking about addictive foods that wreck your weight loss. Once you pop, you can't stop. Ain't that the truth? Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, author, and mind-body coach. And several years ago, I self-hacked my mind and my body to lose 30 pounds. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and weight loss habits, you'll also learn how to address the destructive habits and negative self-talk that lead to overeating and battles with your weight. The secret to losing weight and keeping it off is not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Now today's episode might land me in hot water, but it's worth it. Because today we're pulling back the lid on hyper palatable foods and how they wreck your weight loss. You're like, hyper what? So, what are hyper palatable foods? Hyper palatable foods are those that hit the sweet spot in your mouth and immediately tell your brain to have more, even if you're full. Hyper means excessive, and palatable means appetizing or pleasing to the taste buds. Palatable occurs in nature. So think things like honey, for example. Hyper palatable is man-made. So for example, that's like honey roasted peanuts or salted peanuts. Yep, that's what's happening. Every year, the average American eats over 150 pounds of sugar. That's equal to three pounds or six cups of sugar consumed in one week. It mostly comes from processed food an industry that holds in $1 trillion in annual sales and is making you sick, tired, and overweight. Our brains, specifically the hypothalamus, which regulates eating and energy, can actually become adjusted to the overconsumption of hyperpalatable foods, which can negatively influence your eating behaviors, especially if you're trying to lose weight. I remember reading the book Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss years ago, a fascinating book, by the way, and he shared that food scientists hijack your taste buds by actually calculating the bliss point of sugary foods and beverages so that you get hooked and have no choice but to keep coming back for more. The bliss point is essentially increasing the level of sugar in food to the degree that pleases our palate the most. The author also talked about how most foods that didn't have a sugar component before now do. Like say, for example, honey mustard and honey wheat bread and honey wheat pretzels. Anything you can think of pretty much has sugar in it these days. We no longer have any tolerance for foods that aren't sweet. And when I looked at the first ingredient in a bottle of ketchup in my fridge, sugar was the first ingredient. Uh, What about tomatoes? Shouldn't they be first? What I found most interesting is that most packaged good companies use research companies to conduct research on food, but ironically, these research companies are heavily subsidized by large food companies. These companies are essentially paying for results that favor them. There was also a part in the book about how instant jello was developed, 
So in their haste to create a product that would outdo the competition, they added things such as pyrophosphate and orthophosphate to stimulate the cooking process. These chemical additives would allow people to make instant pudding in five minutes as opposed to several hours on the stove. After reading that book and doing more research since, I've learned that these companies go through great lengths to make convenient products that last longer on the shelf and that we become addicted to, no matter the detriment to our health. The science of food addiction is clearer now than ever before. There was a really powerful study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition that proved that high sugar, high glycemic foods are addictive in the same way as cocaine and heroin. Crazy! In this groundbreaking study, Dr. David Ludwig and his colleagues at Harvard proved that foods with more sugar, those that raise blood sugar quickly or have what's called a high glycemic index, trigger a special region in the brain called the nucleus accumbens, known to be ground zero for conventional addictions such as gambling and drug abuse. When this pleasure center becomes activated, it makes us feel good, and it also drives us to seek out more of that feeling. The study took on the really hard job of proving the biology of sugar addiction. To confirm the results, the researchers did randomized blind crossover study using the most rigorous research design. They took 12 overweight or obese men between 18 to 35 and gave each a low sugar, low glycemic index milkshake. Now, the glycemic index measures how quickly carbohydrates convert to sugar in your blood. And the scale is from zero to 100. So foods that score high in the glycemic index should be minimized because they promote higher insulin levels. So these are foods that score about 60 or higher, or even 55 or higher. So in the study, four hours later, they measured the nucleus accumbens, the brain area that controls addiction. They also measured blood sugar and hunger levels. So days later, researchers had the same subjects come back for another round of milkshakes. This time, they switched them. The new milkshakes tasted and looked exactly the same as the first round, except in how much and how quickly they spiked blood sugar. In contrast to the first shakes, the second batch of milkshakes contained more sugar with a high glycemic index. Not only were the two sets of shakes engineered to deliver precisely the same flavor and texture, they also had exactly the same amount of calories, protein, fat, and carbohydrate. Think of them as like trick milkshakes. So the participants didn't know which milkshake they were getting and their mouths couldn't tell the difference. But according to the study results, their brains definitely could. Each participant received a brain scan and blood test for glucose and insulin after drinking each version of the milkshake. So without exception, they all experienced the same response. The high sugar, high glycemic index milkshake caused a much greater spike in blood sugar and insulin levels and also yielded reports of increased hunger and cravings four hours after they consumed them. This part of the study findings was not surprising and had actually been shown in many previous studies. The breakthrough finding, when the high glycemic shake was consumed, the nucleus accumbens, again, that's the part of the brain that's responsible for controlling addiction, lit up like a Christmas tree. By contrast, the low glycemic shake triggered no response in the nucleus accumbens. This pattern occurred in every single participant and was statistically highly significant. 
So this study proved two things. First of all, the body responds quite differently to different calories, even if the protein, fat, and carbs are exactly the same. The second thing that I proved was that foods that spike blood sugar are biologically addictive. In other words, this study proved a food addiction is very real. In fact, it's the root cause of why so many people are overweight and sick. They become stuck in a vicious cycle of cravings. They eat sugary foods that spike their blood sugar and their brain's pleasure center lights up. This triggers more cravings, driving them to seek out more and more of the substance that gives them this high. These people become powerless against their brain's hardwired response to seek out pleasure. It's no wonder so many people feel trapped and struggle with weight loss. And you might be finding yourself in this boat as well. Do you wish you could uncover the sabotaging patterns that are preventing you from reaching and maintaining your desired weight? Take my free quiz to discover your diet personality so that you can pinpoint habit-forming strategies that will help you to achieve lasting weight loss. You can take the quiz over at trudyestone.com. I'm sorry to say, ladies, but even chocolate has this effect. Research indicates that chocolate is the most frequently craved food among women. The seeds of the cacao tree are naturally extremely calorie dense due to their high fat content. When fermented, roasted, and ground into a paste, the seeds become the chocolate that we know and we love. However, to make us love it even more and to mask the naturally bitter flavor of chocolate, companies add a lot of refined sugar and sometimes even dairy. So this combination of carbohydrate content and sweet taste of the chocolate, they're already a powerful duo. But it also has something else that makes us keep coming back. And that's a habit-forming drug called theobromine. Theobromine is a mild stimulant on its own. But when added to something that's already highly addictive like chocolate, it puts many of us over the edge. This is why I'm very particular about who I purchase my chocolate from. And it's why that it's something that I really try my hardest to eat occasionally. And when I do eat it, I like to pair it with something like nuts to balance out my blood sugar. Because balancing blood sugar is key for being successful with weight loss. And it's also key for just being healthy overall. Food that brings us pleasure when we eat it is described as palatable. Palatable food tastes good. It's a sign that the brain values a food either as a result of instinct or reinforcement learning. The most highly palatable foods tend to be dense and easily digested calories and combine multiple, you know, innately preferred food properties in a highly concentrated form. Okay, so that's foods like ice cream, cookies, pizza, potato chips, french fries, bacon, chocolate. These are all the foods that are most likely to cause a craving and a loss of control of overeating because their physical properties make them exceptionally reinforcing, motivating, and palatable. Researchers have an umbrella term for this combination of effects on the brain, and that's called food reward. During the last 200 years in the industrial area in the United States, technology has increased the efficiency of agriculture so dramatically that nobody even really needs to be a farmer anymore. The problem is industrialization has gone too far, far beyond simply just increasing the efficiency of agriculture. It has profoundly transformed food processing, distribution, and preparation. Our current food system is less than a century old, 
and not nearly enough time for humans to genetically adapt to the radical changes that have occurred. Our ancient brains and bodies, they aren't aligned with this modern world. And many researchers believe that this evolutionary mismatch is why we suffer from such a high rate of lifestyle-related disorders, such as heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. In addition to sugar, added fats are another highly effective way to rev up the brain's brain reward circuit. So your brain has a reward center that secretes dopamine and other feel-good chemicals when you eat certain foods. Isolator fats, such as soybean oil, canola oil, which is used in a lot of kitchens, um, and butter, increase the calorie density and reward value of foods at little additional cost, which is why they're used liberally in commercial prepared foods, including restaurant food as well. The types of fat that we use in our cooking have also changed profoundly. Animal fats such as butter and lard have largely been replaced with seed oils, such as vegetable oils like soybean oil. And rather than getting our fat from whole foods like meat and dairy and nuts, we now get it primarily from oils that are mechanically and chemically extracted from these liquid oils that are cheap and convenient for these companies to add to our food. Added fat increases the calorie content of food and our drive to eat it, ultimately causing us to overeat. So when it comes to obesity, which one is the enemy? Is it too much sugar or is it too much fat? This has been a debate that's been going on forever and ever. And really, it's both. But in particular, it really is the combination of concentrated sugar and fat in the same food that's deadly for our food reward system. It's also a pairing that rarely occurs in nature. So it's tempting to speculate that it's more than our brains are equipped to handle constructively. So think ice cream, chocolate, cookies, and cake, foods that we crave and foods that we mindlessly eat. Technology has allowed us to create foods that are far more seductive than those that occur in nature. And this leads to an equally unnatural response from the brain. When we look at and consider all of these manufacturing processes, creating an obesity epidemic wasn't the objective. It was just an unfortunate side effect of the race to make money. Food companies spent $11 billion on television ads in 2017, and 80% of that, about $8.8 billion, was spent on their unhealthiest offerings. Sugary soda, fast food, candy, and unhealthy snacks. What's more, and I have to go here because I'm a woman of color, black teens are more than twice as likely as white teens to see commercials for these items, one study found. The study was done by the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at the University of Connecticut. The economic impact of managing diet-related chronic conditions such as heart disease and type 2 diabetes is estimated at $583 billion. Yet only about 5% of the National Institutes of Health annual budget is allocated to nutrition research. The amount of money and effort put into convincing us to eat far outweighs that put into preventing overeating and its consequences. Add to all of this being chronically stressed and emotional, and you have the perfect storm of poor eating habits and being more susceptible to hyper palatable foods. There was a study done by the National Institutes of Health that showed that when you base your diet around ultra processed foods, which is 60% of the calories that most people consume today, 
that come from ultra processed foods that it becomes incredibly challenging to control your hunger and ultimately your weight. People actually will end up overconsuming about 500 additional calories every day when they base their diets around these ultra processed foods. So how can we fight this instinctive force that compels us to eat too much? Well, drug addiction research has given us some clues. One of the best established treatment strategies for drug addiction is simply to just avoid drug-associated cues. We know from the work of Ivan Pavlov and others that sensory cues that are repeatedly associated with positive outcomes become motivational triggers. When an addictive person sees a crack pipe, it smells crack smoke or, you know, walks by the street where he usually buys crack cocaine. It triggers his motivation to smoke crack and the urge can be overwhelming. So whether or not you're addicted to food, when you walk by a bakery and see freshly baked pastries and smell the aroma wafting through your nose, it triggers your motivation to eat pastries or whatever food you prefer. That's simply the nature of reinforcement. But if you don't walk by the bakery and if you don't experience those sensory cues, your motivation to eat pastries will be much lower and you won't have to fight yourself to avoid eating a fattening food. Now, we may have a hard time fighting our non-conscious urges to eat tasty, calorie-rich foods when they're right in front of us, but with a little bit of advanced planning, we can, you know, prevail without having to exert too much of our limited willpower. And if that's one thing I keep hearing over and over from people, it's that they feel like they don't have enough willpower. The key is to control food cues in your personal environment. Environment can be an explosive trigger for your bad habits, which is why I dedicated an entire chapter to it in my book, Unbreakable. Keeping easy, tempting foods in plain sight, such as an open bag of chips or a bowl of candy, creates a situation that is simply too tempting for the parts of your brain that are constantly on the lookout for a treat. Okay, so let's move on to some strategies here. So first of all, I wanna say that I don't wanna tell you to never eat your favorite foods but you do wanna minimize eating those foods that have been proven to be addictive and that will derail your weight loss goals. So for the next few days, I want you to observe your food choices and aim to reduce or eliminate your intake and dependence on these hyper palatable foods, AKA junk foods. And start the process of resetting your brain by watching out for that holy trinity of tastiness that I mentioned earlier, which is salt, sugar, and fat. Try to avoid foods that contain this combination. Common culprits include, you know, things like pizza, french fries, pastries, um, you know, any sort of drive through sort of food, desserts. Um, you know, but they also may include really, you know, sneakily packaged organic foods or organic products or, you know, gluten-free products that dress up themselves as healthy foods when in fact they're the complete opposite. Try to replace these foods with simple choices like vegetables, lean protein, fruit, and unseasoned nuts. Okay. There's lots of different tasty snacks that you can make with any one of those things. And if you just jump on my website, you'll find tons of recipe inspiration. So here's some other tips that can help mindful eating. So increase awareness of what you're eating. Don't eat in front of the TV or while you're on your phone or on your tablet. Um, and you know, while eating, I also want you to notice the sensations of your food. Okay. So notice the smell the texture, the appearance, and the taste. 
just take a moment to appreciate the nourishment that you're bringing to your body by the food that you're eating. Also, try setting an intention each week. Focus on a positive affirmation that will help guide you toward reaching your goals. An intention is something that you either plan to do, think, or say to enhance your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. It'll remind you of your goals and will also help to give you a little kick in the butt when you feel like giving up. Keep a food journal. I've talked about this on a few episodes before. In your food journal or your health journal, as I like to call it, record your mood before and after you ate, how you're feeling that day, and any positive or negative side effects of the food that you're eating. This will give you greater awareness of your food behaviors when you can see it in black and white and will also help to give you a plan of attack when you know what to focus on. Store food in clear containers. If you can see it, you'll be more likely to eat it. So take all of your healthy food and put it in clear containers where you can see it. Okay, so that could be things like maybe, you know, taking some bell peppers and cutting them up and putting them in a mason jar or, you know, cutting up, you know, celery or carrots and putting it in a nice clear container where you can see it at the front of your fridge. Okay. also, when you're ready to throw down in the kitchen, you won't have to be digging through you know, those opaque plastic containers trying to figure out where things are. Okay. I'd also recommend going a step further and maybe labeling your food so that you know what date you place in the fridge. And it doesn't have to be fancy. You could just go to the dollar store, you know, get some masking tape and a marker. That'll do just fine. And in fact, that's what I do in my kitchen. I also want you to put those healthy foods within reach. Okay. So as I mentioned before, as soon as you open your fridge or your pantry, make sure you can easily see all of the foods that are going to help rather than hinder your weight loss effort. So we're talking, you know, fruits and veggies here. And again, clear containers are best. Um, Another thing you can try is creating portion controlled snack packs. So I'm talking, you know, about smoothies here and nuts specifically. So you can pre-portion your smoothies into Ziploc bags by throwing in fruits that you'll be using. Okay, and I know a friend of mine that she does this and she swears by it. I do this sometimes occasionally myself. So if you wanted to have like a blueberry, strawberry, you know, smoothie, You'd put the blueberries in there. You'd put the strawberries in there and any other additives that you might want to put. Just put them right in the Ziploc bag and just throw it in the freezer. And then that way, all you have to do is plop the Ziploc bag. Well, you're not going to put the Ziploc bag in your blender, but you're going to take everything out of that Ziploc bag, dump that in your blender and then add your liquids and then you're good to go. Okay. this is also going to make it much easier if a craving hits, if you have some things prepped ahead. Okay. Another thing you can do is, you know, you can even make sorbet or nice cream from some of those ingredients as well. Okay, so if you get like a banana and a blueberry and just put that in your food processor, but just with like a splash of nut milk, you'll have an amazing, you know, um, sorbet or a nice cream that you can eat. Nice cream is, you know, not really ice cream. It's, you know, um, I don't want to say fake ice cream, but essentially, yeah, that's what we're getting at. We're getting at a replacement for ice cream, right? If you're a chocolate fan, you can add raw cacao powder. Um, I love raw cacao powder and I add it in a lot of my foods. OK, just put a tablespoon of that if you want some chocolate and raw cacao powder is cocoa in its raw form. So it's a lot healthier because it hasn't been heat treated. And in fact, raw cacao powder is one of the foods that's highest in antioxidants. Um, another thing you can do is just making your own trail mix. So combine your favorite nuts together in a small container or Ziploc bag. OK, if you want, if you want to do an advanced step, you can actually maybe put your favorite spices on those nuts to give them some flavor and then you can roast them. OK, so there's so many different ideas and things that you can do so that you're not always reaching for all those packaged foods. OK, and nuts are actually a really healthy um, weight loss food because they're a healthy fat that are great for weight loss. You just want to be mindful of your portion sizes. 
So no more than about two tablespoons of nuts at a time, up to one third of a cup a day. And nuts are a great choice because diets high in protein have been shown to boost your metabolism due to the thermic effect of food, which is the amount of calories your body burns to metabolize foods. If you're curious about what sabotaging patterns are preventing you from reaching and maintaining your desired weight, then take my free quiz. Discover your diet personality so that you can pinpoint habit-forming strategies that will help you to achieve lasting weight loss. You can take the quiz over at TrudyEstone.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEstone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.